Welcome back to I'm Sorry Dad, live podcast on Cinco de Mayo, May 5th at the Hollywood Improv in Los Angeles, California. Uh, come on out. We're going to have a great night. We are having uh, Cam and Karen Poder. They host the podcast Sex Talk with my mom, and they are also previous guests. You guys gave us a lot of positive feedback from that one. Um, so we're going to be co-hosting that with them. And we're going to do some interactive stuff with the audience, uh, play some games on stage, stuff like that. It's going to be fun. I'm going to host it. I'm going to do some stand-up up top. Basically, you got to go. It's 18 plus, May 5th at the Hollywood Improv in Los Angeles. There's a link in the description of this podcast. Get your tickets now. There's only about 50 seats available. Do it. Click the link. May 5th. I'm sorry, Dad. Live. This episode is brought to you by Scentbird. Have, has anyone ever approached you and said, hey... You smell really good. What are you wearing? You know what you like. You know what scents you like. Uh, but you don't want to break the bank. I'm sure some of you can relate to this. That's why I love Scentbird. With Scentbird, I found a way to have great taste without breaking the bank. Whether it's Versace, Gucci, Dolce & Gabbana, Scentbird.com keeps me smelling good month after month. Ah, now I smell like Versace, 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 Versace. That's right. I got Scentbird right here. Ooh, it smells good. Scentbird has more than 450 designer brands for you to choose a cologne or perfume from each month. You choose the cologne you want to try, and they'll send you a 30-day supply. You're not sure uh, what type of scent you're looking for? That's all right. You can sort through colognes and perfumes by brand, occasion, season, style, and more. Check out the ratings and reviews on any fragrance, or take Scentbird's True Scent Quiz to discover more personalized recommendations. And with an exclusive offer just for our listeners, you can get 50% off your first month today. That's only $7.50 for your first fragrance. Go to scentbird.com dad and use our code dad for 50% off your first month. Again, that's S-C-E-N-T bird.com dad for you to try your first cologne or perfume for just $7.50. Sign on. Smell amazing. Scentbird. All right, we got a great episode for you today. Our guest is Paul Gilmartin, and he's the host of one of my favorite podcasts ever called The Mental Illness Happy Hour. I've referenced that podcast a lot on this podcast. Uh, it's definitely helped me a lot through depressive periods, um, helped me through heartache. I bought a book via the podcast. I've researched TED Talks via the podcast because he has on interesting guests, some professionals in the mental health field. He'll have on comedians and just interesting people who share their stories of their dealings with mental health. And uh, his listeners also take surveys and share their experiences with mental health. And if you feel like you're crazy for having dark or fucked up thoughts, listen to the Mental Illness Happy Hour and you will have found your community. For real. Uh, shit gets real on that podcast. People get very vulnerable. Paul is a, a very open dude. Uh, allows himself to be vulnerable, which is uh, rare in the public world, it seems, for a grown man to be so open and uh, vulnerable, I guess. I guess that's the best word. So check out his podcast. Send him a, a kind message. I think you'll love this episode and you'll love Paul. Uh, Instagram and Twitter is MentalPod. Uh, please, please check out his, subscribe to his podcast, The Mental Illness Happy Hour. I know you guys will love it. It is binge-worthy, super interesting. It's fucked up at times. It's dark. It's sad. It's happy. It's funny. It's everything. It's great. 
I think it will enrich your life. I could ramble on and on about this, but let's get to the goddamn episode. All right, enjoy this. I'm sorry, Dead podcast with Paul Kim Martin. Let me apologize for the things I've done in the past and the things I'll do in the future and the things I can't take back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dad. Excuse me. What? Can can I start? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean I had a lot of mucus in my throat. I just had to get out, you know? I don't want our guests to think this anger is real. We do Uh, some uh, fake anger. Yeah. I'm down with fake anger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You seem like I know a lot about you from your podcast. You're definitely a very angry and violent man. It's if you could see the amount of blood in the room when I record an episode. Wow. uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's like in the 80s when the uh, IRA prisoners would wipe their shit on the walls and they'd have to come in and hose it down. It's like that, but it's blood. Wow. And it's just mine. I don't oh, know I was about why. to say, do you murder your guests? And I have to clean it up. So I don't know who I think I'm Jesus. thumbing my nose at. But, wow. Mm, damn. Yeah. You got a self-mutilation, as the pros call it, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of terms in the in the game for it. Mm. Um, our guest, who you just heard, and you, you now love him from what you just heard. <laughs> Paul Gilmartin, host of Mental Illness Happy Hour podcast. Paul, welcome yes, to. I'm sorry, Dad. I love the name of your podcast, by the way. Thanks. I'm sorry, Dad. Yeah, yeah. that was a uh, an old password to one of my credit cards. Oh, my first sure credit it was. card. Sure it was. Yes. Still is. Yeah. That really should have been the password though to a porn site. <laughs> yeah. No, that should be. I'm sorry, Mom. mom. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, but no. I watch porn with my mom all the time, so it's. Mm. It would be, I'm sorry, Dad, actually. Yeah. I watched them with them as well. Yeah. Both of them, his mom and him. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Getting right into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, your uh, podcast, I'm a huge fan. Uh, your podcast has helped me specifically oh. uh, because I am a depressed fellow. Not currently, mm-hmm. but um, explain your podcast to our listeners. And I do have a request. Sure. Which I know sometimes you hate doing it. You've talked about it on your podcast. Okay. To sum it up, can you do your intro to your podcast oh. that you say every time? <laughs> yeah, I have to probably <laughs> close my eyes to uh, remember it. Uh, my name is Paul Gilmartin. This is the Mental Illness Happy Hour podcast, a place for honesty about all the battles in our heads. From medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas, and sexual dysfunction to everyday compulsive negative thinking. This show is not meant to be a substitute for professional mental counseling. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a, it's not a doctor's office. It's more like a waiting room that doesn't suck. I'm starstruck. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. you have an infomercial voice. <laughs> 431 episodes. You, yeah. You, it yeah. used to be a different intro the first couple of years, and then, uh, I don't know, I just kind of gravitated towards towards this because yeah. I assume there's going to be some people that are like, oh, what's this thing? And most people aren't going to stick two hours with something right. if it's not their their cup of tea. So mm-hmm. I'm like, if you're going to leave, let's leave now. I don't want to yeah. waste your time. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it totally perfectly describes the show too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's funny how on one episode I heard you say like, I am tired of saying this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of things I'm tired of. Yes. <laughs> uh, I first discovered your pod from uh, your mom's house with mm-hmm. Christina P. and Tom Segura. Love them. I'm Love buddies, those guys. I'm buddies uh, with Christina. I saw your episode. Then Tom tweeted, uh, like, I'm binging this podcast. And that's when I officially signed on. Mm. And I'm a huge fan. I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. Mm. 
And I noticed you had our mutual friend, Jason Nash, on an old mm-hmm. episode. So you know Jason. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're oh. good buddies with Jason. Yeah. Okay. Hello to Jason. Yeah. What's up, Jay? He was hey, Jay. How you doing? He was a great guest. Yep. He's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, you picked the right I mean, person. Who in the entertainment business isn't a little crazy? Yeah. Who in the entertainment business got all the love they needed as a child? Right. Yeah. I've never met uh, someone. I've heard Nick Kroll had a great childhood. He's too funny to have had a great I childhood. Know, right? Yeah. I heard him on uh, Mark Maron's podcast. Yeah. Chris he, Pratt. He seems like he? somebody that probably, no, I don't know, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just seems like somebody that's probably like unbothered that's, by anything that yep. happened in his past. Yeah. yeah. He's a good looking dude. He is. He was homeless for like oh. uh, two years. Really? Yeah. Living like, in his car. Like L.A. homeless? He actually was just, <laughs> yeah, he couldn't remember where he parked. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just rewatched Parks and Rec. And uh, yeah. There's a this might not this might be a boring ass story, but I might edit this out. But oh yeah, a, go ahead. There's a scene where uh, his character says uh, he lost his car, so he bought a new one. Yeah, that wasn't a very good story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm edit. I understand Mahogany. if you want to leave. <laughs> Do you want to leave? I have social anxiety. Yeah, which I'm happy to talk about on your podcast. Sometimes. Yeah, I uh, if I, I show definitely up. want to get you on the podcast, and I I also deal with social anxiety. Do you? Yeah, and the th- one of the things that alleviates it is talking about stuff of substance. Uh, small talk just makes me oh, anxious yeah. and makes me shut down. Me too. Um, it's, it's like, uh, I don't know, it feels like you're in the, uh, the tunnel waiting out uh, to go out and play a, a football game. Yeah. It's just like, let's just get to the, <laughs> to the thing. This yeah. isn't the thing. Right. It just, uh, yeah, it drives, me, it drives me crazy. But if I do find myself in a social situation and I start to get anxious, I just ask people questions about themselves. And then I, yeah. and I'm a naturally curious person, so it's not difficult. And right. then I just keep asking them questions yeah. and then I'm out of myself and I'm more relaxed. I like mm. that. Yeah. Well, and then I tackle them at the end. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I go, why didn't you ask me about me? <laughs> you selfish pig. Yeah. One thing I do whenever I enter a room, like or at a comedy club, I'll go to a corner for a mm-hmm. little while, just observe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Almost as if I'm scared. I'm not really scared, but I just like to get my bearings. Yeah. See what's going on. Be like, all right, I know his name. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone's name. I forget names. That's right. a yes. huge source of anxiety for me. Me too. Names. Me too. I introduced uh, my girlfriend to my neighbor. Uh, the other day, and I could not remember my neighbor's yeah. name. And so I just said, uh, this is Christina, mm. and hoping my neighbor would, and she just went, nice to meet you, Christina. I was like, all right, oh, I gave fuck. it a shot. Yeah, and then what did you say? <laughs> gave it a all shot. All right, we're, nice to meet you, and then you just yeah. went back inside the house? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You backed up, you walked know, backwards. It's not like, you know. But I feel like everybody forgets everyone's name, and if you're the person whose name someone forgot, then you shouldn't feel bad about that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. everybody does that. Right. So, like, why should you be so special that everyone should remember your fucking name? You know? Mm-hmm. The uh, the uh, when I was doing uh, a TV show, it was a, it was a large crew, and it would sometimes change. Yeah. And being naturally kind of narcissistic, I wouldn't learn everybody's name. Yeah. And and so uh, my go-to a lot of times was, hey, buddy, good to see you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're meeting him for the first time, right? not inappropriate. Mm. If you're seeing him again, not inappropriate. You know? right. <laughs> oh, or just nice to see you. Right. Mm. I'm bad at that. I just panic and be like, hey, what's up, dude? Yeah. Everyone's a dude to me. Mm. Except for you, Brandon. What am I? 
you're fucking cunt. Oh, all right. So you, I went with the hard C. With there. a K or a C? <laughs> uh, three Ks. Three Ks. Ra- He's also, a racist. Cunt. It's a racist yep. episode. You racist cunt. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, so yeah, your TV show. That's actually when I first discovered you was dinner and a movie on TBS. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I watched that for years in when I was in junior high. So whenever I think of that show, mm-hmm. I just think of how awfully awkward and brutally insecure I was during those days. So, uh, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> You're triggering me. <laughs> but man, that was a good, sh- for, you did that for 16 years, huh? 16 years. And uh, there were years when my depression and my anxiety was at, and my drinking was at its worst. And it was funny because my most miserable times in life coincided with my most financially successful, right? Yeah, which was a weird, a weird dynamic. But I think that's one of the things that made me realize that I needed help because I thought yeah. a lot of my, you know, dreams are coming true and I still want to kill myself. Yes. Yeah. I might need to go talk to somebody. Yeah. Mm. And I read on uh, Wikipedia today um, that <clears throat> you started treatment for your depression, mm-hmm. so you were having suicidal ideation, and that's when you realized you also had alcohol issues. Mm-hmm. So, you, were you unaware that you had a drinking problem before that? I think I was in denial. I knew that sometimes I would drink more than I had planned to drink, yeah, and I would do stupid things, but it wasn't my behavior wasn't consistent enough. And I thought because I didn't drink during the day, I didn't drink on the job. I wouldn't even drink when I would be doing stand up. Oh yeah. So I thought, well, I can't be an alcoholic. Right, you know, alcoholics right. you know, start drinking as soon as they wake up. No, there's all different kinds of yeah. of alcoholics. That's what I've been uh, thinking about with myself lately. Yeah. Talked about it recently on an episode. I've sat in on some, on some AA meetings. Mm-hmm. Haven't had a drop of alcohol in over three weeks, dude. Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Toxic masculinity. Sorry. <laughs> um, but, I, yeah, I'm the kind of drinker who I just have a lot of difficulty with moderation. Yeah. But I won't, like, wake up and drink, so... I'd be like, oh, I'm not an alcoholic, yeah. but damn, damn, I can't just have two drinks. Mm. Just want more. Well, why would you only have two drinks? You trying to? You, what's the point of alcohol? It's to get fucked up, man. Am <laughs> yeah, I right, dude? Come on, man. All right. <laughs> I, have a, I got a bad shoulder. <laughs> Rotator cuff. Yes. Um, I'll give you T Rex high five. <laughs> so, were you the kind of alcoholic that your friends were like, "What? You have a, you yeah. have a drinking problem?" Yep. I think yep. that's what. Yeah, because many of them drank more than me and are still drinking. Right. And maybe they're high-functioning alcoholic. But for me, my bottom wasn't necessarily an external thing because I hadn't lost the house, the wife, the job, the friends, but I was dying on the inside. I I wanted – it was like my spirit was dead and it just wanted to take my body with it. And I can look back and see that now, but I just wanted to want to live. That was just my goal was I want to live. And it seems like – I have to stop drinking and doing drugs for my meds to work. So, and and they did start working once I stopped drinking and, cool. and doing drugs. Um, what kind of suicidal ideation did you have? Like blowing my brains out in my backyard. Okay, that mm. was yeah, that was the one that would always come to mind. And I had a gun permit, but I had never gotten a gun. And when I had gotten the gun permit, it was. I think when my drinking was uh, also making me a little paranoid, sometimes I would hear voices at oh. night when I would lay down to go to sleep, and I thought I'd hear somebody in the backyard going, Paul, Paul. God. And so uh, I applied for a gun license. And looking back now, I, I'm like, wow, 
I have the feeling somebody else wasn't going to be the one getting getting shot if wow. I had gotten a gun. But I was never to the point where I was making active plans for it. It was right. more of just a, hey, I know there's an exit yeah. if I if I need it. That's I go to a therapist and I started doing it because I was I, I was wanting to kill myself about a year and a half ago. And my therapist asked me, she was like, okay, that's called suicidal ideation. She's like, have you ever made plans? Right. And I was like, no. She's like, okay, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess that's like a very common thing. And you rolled out a big architectural out. drawing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You said, okay, well, over here yeah. is the gazebo. That's <laughs> where yeah. we're going to kick this fucker off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yes. That's where I'm mm-hmm. checking out. Yeah. And she was like, this is really impressive, right? I think you should do it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I haven't. I I uh, whenever I go to therapy, there's a uh, laptop that they made me fill out a survey, like how you're doing or whatever. And it always there's always the one that's like, "Have you had any suicidal thoughts?" And I always just look at it and go, "Maybe today's the day where I've, I'm just honest." And I just say yes, but I'm afraid that when I do that, that's game over. And then now it's like I always feel like it's. Uh, it almost feels like they're trying to catch me or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you're, you're suicidal, and then they throw you in the spongy it room. Would, it would be a terrible therapist that would uh, involuntarily commit you for suicidal ideation. Yeah. Uh, the criteria for it is that you are an imminent danger to yourself or other people, and suicidal ideation is, is right. not imminent danger. So, again, the, a good therapist would say, are you making plans? And if you said, then yeah. said yes, mm-hmm. then then they would do the uh, 72 hour hold. So just lie about that follow up question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, I, my therapist calls me a pussy whenever I cry, so I don't think that she's a very good. <laughs> That's one, good. You know? But you also do therapy at TGI Fridays, which I find odd. <laughs> With the bartender, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little. Uh, I understand <laughs> yes. why Merv doesn't want to give me the most sympathy. It's weird that they, he doesn't have an eye, he has an eye patch. Do they make every uh, customer fill it out? Are you thinking about, yeah. welcome to TGI Fridays? Are you thinking about killing yourself? <laughs> You're at TGI Friday, so you must be thinking about it. Have you it. ever cried over a blooming onion? It's great because it catches the tears. Oh, yeah, right. at the end, you just do it like a shot. Salt and the tears, too. Yes. Oh, yes. I think yeah. we're on to something. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Just say, check that box, dude. Just say yes. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, then your, your psychiatrist can help you yeah. more. If they don't have all the information... Uh, it's it's incredible how many people withhold things from the therapist and their psychiatrist because they think they're going to be judged. But totally. Um, well, I, I'm yeah. just like, I'm not afraid I'm going to be judged. I'm afraid she's going to like literally tell me to take medication or something, which I don't mm-hmm. really want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I mean, I, I granted on the on the thing it says like, have you had thoughts of suicide like this week or something? And I'm like, mm-hmm. sure, this week. I mean, yeah, really? I feel like everybody's had. Well, yeah. <laughs> I feel like everybody has a thought of suicide. Like, even if you're in traffic, you're like, I just want to mm-hmm. kill myself. Even though it's, like, almost playful and in jest. Granted, mm-hmm. there's a difference between that and being like, oh, I want to buy a gun. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah. I, I've had, there's been moments where I, like, I lie about that so but I don't get whatever. Do you sometimes have actual, like, I want to kill myself? Well, yeah, there's been points. <laughs> but not, on the podcast. There's been points, but it's not, it hasn't been, like, uh... It hasn't been like even to your guys' thing where you're like, oh, I've thought about it, but I, not to the point of buying a gun. Right. So it's just been, ah, uh, oh, look at that. And then it's gone. You know, I, I hate that I have to take meds as well. Um, but I ask myself, what are the side effects of having untreated mental illness? Yeah. And I think that's something that everybody um, should 
think to themselves before they rule out meds. And I certainly don't think meds should be the first thing to go to. I think talk mm-hmm. therapy, meditation, diet, exercise, you know, having a support network with communication and vulnerability and all that, that stuff. But if there's still depression after that, you know, it, 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 it's not cheating. You know, it's not like they're giving you Valium. Yeah. They're just giving you something. It's, it's like giving insulin to a diabetic. They're just bringing your brain chemistry up to normal so that you can come to the, you know, right. the starting line with the rest of, of humanity. That's, yep. that's how I, how I view it. Uh, what would you, what are your symptoms? What would you be like without medication? Um, well, first, well, that's what uh, actually I started the podcast because in 20, late 2010, I, I went off my meds and, uh, I stopped going to the bathroom. My body started shutting down. Oh, I wow. wasn't, uh, you know, I was hardly eating at all. I was started crying all the time. Um, I, I thought my life sucks. I will never feel joy again. And I was thinking about killing myself and, um, well, actually, I wasn't thinking about killing myself. Somebody was describing opening their jugular vein in a van and and looking, you know, to the heavens and saying, uh, "I'm uh, Father, I'm ready to come home." And I was listening to this guy share that, and I was crying, and I was jealous that I didn't have, you know, the quote unquote nerve to do something right. like that. And that's when. I realized, maybe not necessarily in that moment, but within a day or two of that, that I gave it the weight that it deserved. And, yeah. and I suddenly realized, oh my God, that's the depression. It came back. Because it normally it would come back when I would try to go off the meds, it would come back within like 60 days. But mm-hmm. this time, after like 90 days, I still felt great. So I thought, uh, oh, I don't need meds anymore. Right, right. <clears throat> within three days of going back on them, started going to the bathroom again, started feeling normal. And I thought, I got to start a podcast and talk about this shit because I believe that mental illness is a real thing and yeah. I got fooled by it. You know, you wait, you said you believed you did believe. Yeah. I'm a believer. Be- yeah, yeah. I'm not like, Oh, it, you know, it's just a, a metal weakness and it's right. no, I believe that it's a medical condition and yeah. I believe in therapy and psychiatry and support groups. I, I couldn't be a bigger cheerleader for all the things that help us. And I almost died lying to myself. Huh. Wow, that's crazy. So that's why I started the podcast. And it is a great podcast. You're a good role model in that. So uncomfortable with the first half of that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, I think of male role models who are popular right now, like Joe Rogan, uh, Gary Vee, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk. He's like an entrepreneur. I don't. I don't. Then there's like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You're Mm -hmm. just like The Rock. (laughs) 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 No, you're you're a male role model, but you're sensitive. Like Joe Rogan, like he he inspires me to like be fit and stuff, but Mm -hmm. he's so fucking intense about it, and he's so like uber successful in pretty much everything he does. I can't relate to him. I can't either. Like Tony Robbins, I just makes me want to curl up into the fetal position and and nap forever and not wake up (laughs) because I Uh, can't do that. I'm just, yeah, I'm the same way. Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk is a dude entrepreneur who's just like every day, wake up and you kick ass, work hard every day. And I'm just like, ah, just listening to that stresses me out. I'm like, I'll give up. If that's your makeup. Yeah. But if it's not find who the authentic you is and embrace that. If, if it's, that you need a nap every day for two hours from two yeah. to four, <laughs> fucking do that. What what keeps your your car running? 
You know, yeah, right. what, what is your gasoline? I've heard you say on your podcast, uh, which I related to, <laughs> Joe Rogan wouldn't say this. Mm. You were just like, I wasn't, I was kind of feeling depressed and my schedule allowed me to sleep until one and I did. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude, I did that yesterday. Yeah. Well, and then I would you, shame myself, but yeah. I don't do that anymore. And I am on a slightly earlier schedule now. Thank God. You know, I get up around 1030, which feels like dawn to me. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's hard when half the day is gone and you wake up. So you got to fit all your errands into a, a, a three hour right. window. And so that would that kind of started to wear on me. But I just I, we were talking about social anxiety earlier. That's why I love the night. I know the phone's not going to ring. I, yeah. It's predictable. Yeah, it's maybe kind of a small life being a night owl. Yeah. But there's something really, it's almost like a tree fort. There's something just very co- cocoonish about it. I th- yeah, I think I know what you mean. I like the night too. I'm a night owl. Yeah. You're a night owl. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think most comics are. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. Switching gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did stand up for years. I did. Uh, how many years? From my first open mics were in 87, and I started doing it full time in 88. Um, and then my last club dates, I want to say, were like 2011, 2012, maybe. Uh, um, so probably about 25 years. Damn. Yeah. And you don't miss it. I've heard you say that. Not at all. Um, <laughs> I enjoy doing, I do a satirical uh, right-wing congressman right. character. That I enjoy doing because um, the writing for that and the improvising for that is fun. And it's it, it's in front of audiences that are different than the typical road club audience. Yeah. But as far as doing straight monology stand-up, I don't miss it for a second because if I think of a good joke, I'll just tweet it or I'll yeah. say it on the podcast. Wow, that's so f- interesting to me. Yeah, You don't miss it at, at all? No, not a <laughs> bit. I actually feel tremendous relief when I think about the gotcha. fact that I, um, you know, at 56, what it would be like for me to be going on stage and potentially talking to a room full of 20-year-olds that yeah. that can't relate to me. Maybe they could, but yeah. potentially, you know, I remember looking at comedians that were in their fifties when I was in my twenties and thinking, dude, Oh yeah. Fucking hang it up. Right. You know, but <laughs> there were ones like George Carlin that yeah. were still relevant yeah. and had an edge and were great writers and performers. So it depended on the, on the comic, but right. Yeah. What did you dislike about it? Just the travel the traveling. Yeah. Um, generally having to fight, uh, around the accommodations, uh, you know, so often you would be promised such and such, and then you'd get there and it wasn't the type of hotel they promised or, yeah. um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, um, kind of be done with the comedy condo days. Oh, okay. Um, I'm still yet to do that. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it can really fucking suck. And especially if you're working with a comic all week long that you don't, click with both on stage or, or off stage. Yeah. It's just a lonely long week. It's hard to eat healthy when you're oh, yeah. on the road in the Midwest. It's that's where I'm from. It's, it's hard. I did a mm-hmm. gig at a Syracuse funny bone. Uh, I was there for a weekend in one day, Saturday was raining, just like crossing the highway by myself to get some <laughs> shitty food. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so sad. Yes. <laughs> I've done it running, running across the interstate to the yeah. Denny's. Yeah, it's totally. the only place to eat. 
you know, going back to the depressing hotel room alone. Just oh yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Then you'd start feeling like, Oh, I'm not gonna be funny tonight just cause I'm so unhappy. And then, but you, I love it. And then, <laughs> and then you think, okay, I'm going to write for two hours today. And then you just write for five minutes, jerk off and take a nap. Yeah. I was going to say, you're like, off. and then you're like, Oh, I'm a terrible person. I'm not even, I'm so lazy. This sounds like my day. All right. <laughs> this sounds like the majority of my day. Yeah. Brandon does a lot of masturbating. It's true. That's what he's known for, actually. Whenever I say I'm writing, that just means I'm beating one off. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. I got some questions written. Oh, yeah. Um, your life in your career, you're so involved with mental health. Do you ever get burnt out from being I, the mental health guy? That's a great question, and I take a lot of steps to make sure that I don't because <laughs> I know that if I start to get burned out in doing this, it's it's not a good thing both for me and and for the show. Uh, right. So, I, you know, I get sent a lot of books to read pe- people that that authors that want to be on the show or their publicists want their author to be on the show, and I almost never will read a book. Uh, and I tell them, you know, I'll maybe skim a chapter or yeah. two. But if I were to read every book, um, I would just be so burnt out by it. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. I considered actually going back to school to uh, become a therapist. And then I just thought, no. And I went through the, I applied, I got accepted, yeah. and I went to the orientation. And I just saw how much work was going to be involved. And I thought, man, between doing the podcast, going to my support groups, and then if I were to do this, right. I, I would be talking about people's feelings around the fucking clock. Yeah. And it's great to talk about feelings, but I need a break from it. I totally. need to play hockey and woodwork and guitar and yeah. play. Yeah. You know, too much introspection can just yeah. lead to just like, wh- where do I go now? Yeah. You keep digging and digging and digging and digging. And then you're like, Oh yeah. And, and absorbing the energy of people who are hurting that, yeah. that can be a yeah. really draining thing. That's extremely draining. And you know, the emails that I get as beautiful as they are, sometimes they're super fucking heavy. Yeah. And you know, if I get three or four or five in a row, um, you were just send back too long. Didn't read. Uh, <laughs> I have never done the TLDR, <laughs> but I have said in a sentence or two, I have to take pains to, you know, make sure that I, I don't oversaturate myself with this yeah. subject matter. Is there a way that you could resend this and oh, wow. maybe get it down to a paragraph or two? <laughs> you send back revisions to their suicide notes. Hey, I don't yes. think this uh, oh, bottom was, line really is. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't have a this oomph. Yes. If it was a suicide note, I always tell them about the suicide hotline. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that. But sometimes somebody will. Um, you know, you have the box that you can fill out. Right. And then it's like max of, I don't know, 500 characters. And then they'll fill out five in a row. Damn. So this is on I, your website. On right? my website. Which and is what? so I refuse to read that because it's like you have no sense of boundaries. Right. Yeah. And I'm not here to save you. I do a podcast. I hope it helps people. But yeah. I, I will have no battery left if, if I anoint myself people's savior. Um, right. So I, I, I like to think of myself as a cheerleader for people getting help mm-hmm. and the therapists and the social workers. And those are the people in the trenches doing the real work. Those are, those are the ones that I tip my hat and go, I don't know how you do it eight hours a fucking day. I don't know how they do it either. Yeah. My therapist every hour 
a new yeah. person just like spilling out heavy shit. Yeah. God damn. I've had interest in being a therapist, but the work is too much. Yeah. And I can tell from your podcast that you are well versed in seeing a therapist, the language mm-hmm. you use. I can't really think of like being seen, mm-hmm. being, really being heard. Right. <laughs> yeah. Therapy. Having your pain lingo. witnessed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you are a, I'm practically a pro. And I consider your podcast, uh, regardless of your intro, it is therapy. I'm trying to make a joke here. It's not yes. working. God <laughs> damn it. Damn it. <laughs> I Fuck. hope, you know. It, yeah, well, you were just heard and we heard your shitty joke. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'll shut up. Yes. I won't share anymore. <laughs> you guys keep going. You guys go. Sorry. Uh, what were we going to say? I, I was just going to say that I believe that my, my podcast can sometimes bring insights and sometimes bring comfort and humor to people, but um, there, there is a lack of professional uh, in-depth knowledge of things, and that's why I always shy away when people are like, you know, it's like therapy to me. It, I will believe that for some people it may be therapeutic, but it right. could never replace never replace therapy. Right. You know, how long have you been seeing a therapist on and off since I was 24? Okay. So, uh, six years (laughs) (laughs) for what? 30 years. Uh, 32 years. And you're still not just a perfect human. Yeah. Oh, I am. I just feel sorry for therapists and I know they need money. Right. And so I go there. Yeah. And I actually just work out with my shirt off and, Yeah, I just want to give him treats. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Cool visual treats. Yeah, yeah. Feast your ass on this. Yeah. What do you think? Um, do you listen to their problems at this point? <laughs> I have had therapists, though, that share too much about themselves. Yeah. And um, that, or, or be doing an interview sometimes, and yeah. it winds up that this person is just talking about themselves the entire time, and that that was weird. Yeah. You know, have... And I've had a therapist that barely spoke, like didn't give any feedback. Yeah. That's a style of therapy. Yeah. Probably analysis. Analysis? Yeah. I don't know. That That sucked. I hated it. Yeah. I just ended up being like, oh, anyways, um, yeah, I might go to the store tonight. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. That's awful. Yeah. That's, that's, that's awkward. I, be- I believe that it's all about the connection and the relationship to the therapist. And if that person is just like a, you know, a guard and a guard tower looking down at you, you know, like you're a zoo animal, that, that to me, that doesn't rekindle someone's faith in humanity. No. You don't like senior therapist, Brandon? I, I, yeah, I like it. I do. It's just a lot of me talking for about like an hour. And then she, as she like says a sentence. Oh, watch out. Your mic is. Oh, damn it. Just hold it from here. Has your mic been off the whole time? <laughs> Has it been off the whole time? <laughs> the whole time. Has it really? For every episode we've done. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. No, it's uh, just <laughs> that don't. really hurt. Don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> you just hit my foot. It hurt? Yeah. I'm sorry. It's dead. Wow. It's, what a healing episode we're having. <laughs> um, no, I like going to therapy. It's, uh, I just went today. It's just yeah. a lot of me talking about stuff, and then she asks questions like, oh, yeah. So yeah. what about this also? And then mm-hmm. I just get, but I also, I don't, it, I've only been going for two months. I can't say that it's yeah. helping or not helping or. Do you anything. talk about your hypochondria stuff? No, not no? at all. No, Why? not at all. Why not? Because it's not, I don't. It's a huge part of your life. It is not a huge part <laughs> of my life. I, it really isn't. Everybody, everybody likes to like exaggerate my hypochondria. It's really not that bad, dude. Matt, t- talk to it about her. Get back to me. What, what was that? She's going to be, talk. 
Talk tell to her, her about talk, it. Okay, tell her about <laughs> it. Talk her about it. Talk her about I think Brandon's got some hy- hypochondria. I mean, okay. <laughs> if I have... Here's an example. If I had headaches for two months, would you not think, huh, maybe there's some kind of brain tumor going on? I would think that by the second day. By the second <laughs> oh, yeah? day. Second day. Maybe oh, okay. even the end of the first day. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I was at a support group meeting last week, and I thought... Uh, how this person was sharing, uh, you know, standing in front of the room, celebrating 30 years of sobriety. And I tuned them out thinking to myself, yeah, I probably got a brain tumor. And mm-hmm. how am I going to support myself? Who's going to, is somebody going to do the podcast for me? Will what, will they get a portion of the ad revenue? Will my portion be enough to, to, <laughs> to uh, cover my mortgage? God, I don't know. What's that going to look like? Did you have a headache? Or does I, I think, oh, it was uh, difficulty uh, grasping certain words, difficulty putting uh, sentences together sometimes, yeah. just not as quickly as, as I'm used to. Yeah. Just, you know, there'd be that pause that was maybe a second or two longer yeah. waiting for the, almost like you hadn't had coffee yet. Yeah. Kind of that throughout the day. But I've also been cutting back on my Adderall over the last six months, and um, I think my depression is creeping back in a little bit. Uh. Like right now, I can feel it. I can feel, yeah. It just feels like there's just kind of a gray blanket. Yeah. Yeah. I felt the depression coming on last week. But, you know, just trying to do what I can to. So what do you do? Uh, Heroin, actually. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. (laughs) Um, No, um, I. No. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, dude. Uh, When I feel it coming, I, if I feel like I need to sleep more, I will. And I'll let myself Good. be sad, which is something I didn't used to do. That's great. I'd be like, get up, get out of bed, yeah. go to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I'll just like sleep until one sometimes if I am able to and feel like I need to. Yeah. You do it if you had the flu. So why wouldn't you do right. it if you have clinical depression? Sometimes I'll isolate, but I know I try not to do it too much. Yeah. Just enough to where I think it's healthy, where I should be doing it. Then I'll eventually go out and <clears throat> hang out with friends. Also exercise, all the typical boring stuff, like exercise, trying to eat right. Uh, I stopped drinking. I want to see how long that lasts. I want to. I stopped drinking because I'm curious to see if I'll have a moment where I have an urge to drink. Mm-hmm. I want to see if I have a problem. Because I never think like, oh, I need a drink. It's more like, drinking's fun. Right. <laughs> yeah. But then the next morning, that's sometimes when I'll be like, I fucking need a drink. Just the mm-hmm. hangover, the little hair of the dog. So just haven't drank in three months. Been picking out on candy because my body's not getting the sugar. Yeah. <laughs> what's your What's your uh, candy of choice? My drug of choice. Um, I like uh, lame stuff. Um, Twix. Twix. No, I go for. Uh, How dare you? Whoppers. 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 <laughs> Malt balls. Whoppers. <laughs> it was bad enough that you you need candy all the time, but Whoppers. It's bad enough you don't do heroin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like. I'd Whopper. rather you do heroin than eat Whoppers all the fucking day. <laughs> Sour Patch Kids. I like Sour Patch Kids. Okay, you want me back? I like gummy stuff. Gummy, yes. typically. Yeah, gummy waters. stuff's great. Oh, you like gummy stuff, like gu- gummy. <laughs> you just cocaine rubbing it on oh, your gums. Oh, that I didn't get it. I, oh, it's all right. See, I had to explain. It's best when you explain jokes. That's what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you have to explain a joke, it means it's hilarious. It means it's really funny, and you executed it. Perfectly. I will always have a second show where then I ex- just explain the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. that's nice. Open up for questions. Yes. about jokes about this mm-hmm. joke. Um, so yeah, lately I've been trying to harness down my 
massive sugar addiction. Mm. Definitely addicted to sugar, like most people are, it seems. Mm. Um, did you anything happen when you stopped drinking? Did you? Uh, I was doing nine shots of espresso a day. Yeah. Uh, my stomach would hurt when I would lay down at night. Nice. But it's I. I have almost always had to find something to temporarily compensate. Like when I quit smoking years and years ago, I took up golf okay. uh, because I had tried quitting smoking before and nothing ever worked, but I just obsessed about golf. And if I wasn't golfing, right. I was watching videos about mm. golfing and learning how to be a better golfer. And that got me over that like two, three month hump. That's interesting. Uh, is it, it seems like a lot of addicts, when they quit that thing, they replace it with something else. Yes, it's usually either food, sex, uh, shopping, compulsive exercise. Um, yeah, those are the big ones that I that I see. Well, as you can tell by my physique, compulsive exercise is <laughs> what I've gone to. Right, Brandon? I'm not fat. Compulsive exercising your appetite, more like it. <laughs> Hey-o! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude. You fat <laughs> piece of shit. Just kidding. Uh, I look fit today. Really? Want to hook up? (laughs) 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 All right. I just sexually harassed our producer. Fuck yeah! And it's on. It's on audio. It's recorded forever. Um, uh, I heard you on Kristen Carney's podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, Mentally Chill, Mm -hmm. and you uh, shared the medication you're on, which I I think I might have said out loud, like, "Holy shit." It's yeah. a lot, it's, or at the time it was a lot. So can you share with the audience? Yes. Um, Adderall, which used to be uh, 20 milligrams twice a day. Um, now I'm down to uh, 10 milligrams once a day because uh, my um, blood pressure was was getting up there. Yeah. Um, Selexa, which I've been on for a long time. What's that for? Um, for depression. Okay. Um, Buspar, also for depression. I take that. Wellbutrin uh, for uh, depression and anxiety. It, it kind of helps with your, um, uh, I don't know, uh, kind of get up and do shit. Yeah. You know, um, I could use, I could and Lamictal, which is used as an adjunct for all of those, um, for people that had childhood trauma. That's what my psychiatrist told me. Hmm. It's, it was created as an antipsychotic, but it can be used. Uh, I guess the term they use is off label. Meaning, yeah. and that's what the Adderall is uh, for me. It's it's um, can be effective with treatment resistant depression, which is the kind that I have. Okay, yeah, I was prescribed Adderall a few months ago, and I could feel myself getting addicted to it. Yeah, yeah, I would just like thought about it, and mm-hmm. I would use it for like stupid reasons. Like I'd play, take a pill, play a video game, just yeah. get enthralled in my video game, mm-hmm. and just be like a lot more interesting. And my mom, uh, my mom has bipolar one. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a that's a handful. Yeah. Bipolar one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's had some uh, major ups and downs. Pun oh, intended. Yeah. Um, she got. I got. I was prescribed Adderall in high school. She started taking my Adderall. She got addicted to Adderall. Made her feel euphoric. Oh, I bet her mania went off the fucking charts when she was doing it. Oh, it did. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it was rage. Yeah. Uh, screaming to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, also like on. In a therapist's office, my psychiatrist's office, she was enraged. Like, he's not doing his homework. It's like, he needs more pills. Now, in retrospect, that was her getting her pills through my doctor. Nice. Which is wild. (laughs) Nice. Sick. Sick, dude. And I talked to her about it recently because I told her I was taking Adderall. She was like, oh, 
I, when you coming home? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I remember I caught, I caught her taking a pill, one of my pills one day. Um, but I was just like 16. I'm just like, mom's taking my Adderall. Like, uh, I just didn't say anything about it. Cause I, well, I don't know. Well, that's super fucked up. That's uh, super fucked up. Taking your kid's medication. Yeah. And she would ask. And, and it's illegal on top of it. It is illegal. Yeah. And I was lying about taking it because I hated taking it. So my mom, mm. I would tell my mom I was taking it. She knew I was lying to her. She's stealing my stuff. Healthy dynamic for the, the household. I think it. you got the <laughs> Brady Bunch right there. Yeah. Mm. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, Adderall. Yeah. So yeah. My, I found that out from my mom. And I was like, oh, man, yeah, I crave Adderall. So I just stopped taking it. And now I just cannot pay attention. I have ADD, pretty bad. Yeah. A- ADHD, as they call it these days. I, well, I, from what I understand, there are other things that can help with uh, ADD and ADHD as well. Uh, I don't know what they would be, but I know every, <laughs> every year uh, they come out with new stuff. But I, I'm sure you guys are kind of like I am, that you, you don't trust big pharma. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I hate is I am dependent on an industry I detest. Right. And don't trust. Yeah. Yeah, Adderall is scary. The, your medication for childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand how a medication would help with a specific thing I, th- like I think it's, it's not for the trauma itself. It's for the areas of the brain that were affected by the trauma. Trauma mm. uh, affects, uh, and again, I'm not a professional, but from what I've read and what I've retained, it affects the prefrontal cortex where executive function is and there um are i guess behaviors that having issues with the prefrontal cortex um can be influenced by that and so my guess is that lamictal helps that part of the brain that maybe incurred some some type of gotcha um I don't know if damage is too strong of a word, but yeah. some type of impact from um, childhood okay. trauma. And uh, I learned from your podcast, like uh, like I said before, I know everything about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't speak to your mom, correct? Correct. Wow. My therapist is all about like, he's like you need to set better boundaries with people mm-hmm. in just relationships. I tried that. That's one hell of a boundary. Yes. Well, it it... I worked towards that yeah. because I had no choice. I tried setting boundaries and they weren't respected. And so like what, what would you request? Uh, that she not bring up um, the, the past yeah. because I don't, I didn't want to talk about childhood stuff because yeah. I would just get depressed for, for weeks. And she's, um, she's somebody who has a great side to her, but a really also emotionally unsafe side to her. And I never know kind of when she's going to turn. And, um, and so I would just, I always find myself kind of shutting down and, you know, as I was working with a therapist and processing shit and support groups, I realized, uh, began to learn that the importance of feeling like you're advocating for yourself. Mm-hmm. And boundaries are a way that you can walk into a room and feel like, okay, you know, I do have power here. If I'm willing yeah. to leave the room, if I'm willing to leave dinner, then I don't feel trapped. Right. Um, most 
addictions and depressions and compulsive uh, that are related to compulsive behavior or compulsive behavior itself, I think, um, are often exacerbated by people uh, who have lives where we feel cornered by the circumstances. You know, if we take the option off the table that I'm going to end a relationship with this person who's abusive to me, well, then the ceiling for how happy I can be is going to be pretty fucking low because I'm going to feel trapped in that area of my life. And so in my support groups, I began to explore what I would feel inside when I would be around people. Would I feel Mm -hmm. dread? Would I feel peace? You know, and I began instead of just telling myself, I'm a terrible friend, I'm a terrible son, you know, every son should want to spend time with with his mother. I I said, what, what if I'm not a terrible son? Mm -hmm. What if I have a valid reason for not wanting to be around here? And I began to listen to my body and I began to see how I would just shut down and my skin would crawl when she would touch me. And I began to look back at events that had happened to me that I had always minimized as a, as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of mothers can hide creepy shit in their access to their children's bodies and yeah, their yeah. motherly duties. And that's what was the case right. with me. And when I broke down, when I finally realized the weight of it and I broke down and I started crying, my wife, then wife, she's now my ex, uh, said, I've been waiting 20 years for you to say that because she could see in the first hour the way my mom touched me and talked to me. She's like, your mom creeps me the fuck out. Really? And I don't think you've ever dealt with the effects that it's had wow. on you. And I was, I was like, oh, you just don't like my mom. You know, you yeah, just want to yeah. cause drama. Huh. But that was me trying to minimize it because who wants to say I have a mom that's not safe that right. sexually abused me as a child? What, I, what kid wants to right. or adult wants to say that? And I, I've heard you talk about the abuse on your podcast and also Chris and Carney's podcast. It was like a weird kind of sexual abuse. Yes. It was very under the radar. Yeah. There, there's a term for it called covert abuse. It wasn't overt, like, oh, she grabbed my dick and, you know. Yeah. What would, what, what would happen, if you don't mind? She would uh, take my temperature rectally till oh, yeah. I was like eight years old and would be saying, why are we still doing it this way? And she would, you know, make up some reason while I thought, I, uh, I'm afraid you're going to bite down on the thermometer. Wow. Um, there would be reasons for me to be, you know, unclothed that, that didn't feel right. And if mm-hmm. I would try to cover myself up, she would act like I was the one with the problem. Yeah, um, yeah. There was a one that really kind of fucked me up. Um, when I was like 12 years old, I fell down and got gravel in my leg. And she's like, well, let's get you in the bathtub. And I just oh, remember yeah. thinking like, this does this. I feel tricked, and then I was like, "Well, if I complain, then she's going to just do that thing where she's like, oh, you know, you're so dramatic.'" Right. And so I didn't, and I got an erection, and I felt like the biggest fucking monster, and that really set an imprint in my mind for years that I was just dirty. And it wasn't right. until I was like fifty that I went, "What the fuck is a mom?" doing giving a 12 year old a, a a bath and it was just my knee but still there was right. no reason for me to be completely naked and, and it yeah. creeps me out to to even talk about it for many reasons one i don't like people picturing that yeah. two i don't like picturing it uh, and and three i'm afraid people are going to say what's the big deal you're a fucking baby get over it you're oh, a terrible really? son yeah oh wow 
I don't react that way to that story at all. Yeah. I think like, well, that's fucked up. And also, twelve like your erection wasn't like a sexual. Like I'm horny right now. Right. I've heard you talk about it. It's like it's a twelve year old random boner, yeah. which happens like a hundred times a day. Yeah. But that I'm sure as a kid you're like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. do I like this? Was that? Did you think? Question. I just knew I wanted it to go down, and it it did not go down fast enough for the schedule I would have preferred. Yeah. Um, And and I thought that I was just weird, you know. But it's not like I wanted my mom to do something sexual with me. But you know, what therapist I had said it that was your mom created a sexually charged environment. Yeah. For your childhood, she would confide in me as if I was her husband at like seven. She was yeah. complaining about her marriage and saying how she wanted to leave us all. And she would cry and I would have to be like the one to say, we're going to do better, you know, <laughs> don't leave. And Jesus. and then like shit would happen where I was just being like, uh, I don't know what the what the word would be, like on the doctor's table, completely naked like a herd of students let in unannounced and I'm just like feeling like I'm leaving my body, you know, like what is happening? And she's just standing there letting it all happen. Wait, hold on. Uh, you're in a doctor's office? In, uh, yeah, I was at a hospital cause my, my testicles hadn't descended. And so they, and, and I wasn't growing fast enough. And so they were doing tests. And so this doctor, um, uh, came in that, well, the nurse came in and she said, take all your clothes off, get on the table. They didn't give me anything to cover up with. And I didn't know at the time I could have said, well, can you give me something to cover up with? So I'm just laying on this table. My mom's standing right there for like 10 minutes. And then the doctor comes in with a herd of students and he just starts grabbing my testicles and talking about what's wrong with them. And it, A, it hurt. And B, I was so embarrassed and just felt so, uh, just exposed and violated and humiliated. And I just remember fighting back the tears. And at, at one point I I was just staring at the ceiling, just wanting it to be over with. And I, and I looked over to the side and there was a female intern and she made eye contact with me and she gave me this look like, I am so sorry. And that's, and then I started to cry, but my mom never asked me, she never said anything. She never intervened afterwards. She didn't say, you know, how, how are you doing? How are you feeling? It was just never talked about. And when I was in one of my support groups about 10 years, 10 years ago, I had two memories that were not new, but side by side, I saw how fucked up things were. I had the memory of me consoling her at seven and her standing by letting that happen at 12. And I thought, wow, it's like I was her parent. Right. You know? Yeah. And And it wasn't to demonize her because I don't think she's an evil person. I think she's just sick and wounded. And I, I have love for her, but, um, I, I believe that it's important to have compassion for others, but not at the expense of compassion for yourself. And I had to save my mental health. I had to say, I can't be around you anymore. Not because of what she'd done, but because I, I asked, can we not talk about the past? Yeah. And let's just correspond through letters because that feels safe to me and she respected it for one letter and then the next letter she's you know tried to throw a relative under the bus saying maybe you were physically abused by this relative maybe that's the cause of your depression um and and i just got so sad and i thought i can't i can't do it i can't even 
correspond by mail with her. And so I eventually sent her a goodbye letter. Wow. But it wasn't angry. It was like, I wish I could make this mm-hmm. work. I really do. I really do. But I, it's, I, I, I can't. Maybe somebody else could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I always say this, too, when I, when I talk about my childhood is, um, you know, I turned around and I objectified women as an, as an adult. You know, I was a pig, I was an asshole and I'm ashamed of a lot of the things that I, that I did. And I'm still, uh, a work in progress. I'd like to think that I'm not that guy anymore, but I don't, I don't ever want to paint my story as poor me, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm the victim in everything. Um, it, it, I think it's just a great example of hurt people, hurt people. And if you don't get help, you're just going to continue the cycle of something. Right. Did your mom, did you ever get a reaction from your mom? She heard from a friend that I had been discussing it on the podcast. Because I I knew that if I were to bring it up, she would tell me that I was crazy. And mm-hmm. I did not want to experience that pain. Yeah. So I made the decision um, to, to not do that. And she was upset. And then left another message saying, um, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And I had a terrible childhood. She said that about her childhood? Yeah. Okay. And that just made me sad because I was like, in that moment, I tried to put myself in her shoes. I thought, I, if I was genuinely sorry and I genuinely cared about trying to make amends with, with my child, I would not immediately make it about me. Right. I would say what can I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can I show up for you? Right. You know, let me know what, what the boundaries are. I would like to think that I would do that. And so that, and, and the other thing that made me realize that I can't have a relationship with her actually happened about a year or so before that. She was doing the typical thing where she would kind of turn on me emotionally and all of a sudden she would just be badgering me in a kind of a nasty mood about something. And then her mood just kind of turned and she's like, let's read some spiritual literature together. And I, and I just went, mom, I know you want to have a better relationship with me, but sometimes I don't feel safe around you. Yeah. And she just looked right through me. She had no, she didn't ask why or what. And, and I thought, I I don't want to have a relationship with somebody that isn't curious as to why Mm. somebody doesn't feel safe. I don't know much about psychiatry or terms and diagnosis. So that sounds sociopathic to me. Just like it doesn't caring. sound good. Yeah, I know that. I know that. Um, yeah, I've had therapists say one thing or another thing, and I, I because I'm not a professional, uh, it would. I don't want to say what. Right. Yeah. I think. I just know she's a she's a hurt person, and. I look at her as a dog that bites yeah. and I hate that that dog got abused, but it's not my job to teach right. it to not bite. Wow. That's some heavy shit. I've yeah. thought about, you know, like would I ever, what, what's up? Okay, cool. Don't interrupt. Sorry about her. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I've thought my mom might get to a point where I had to, Cut her off. But uh, that was mainly her mental illness showing through, not her mm-hmm. being like, 
a bad person. I'm not saying your mom is a bad person, but my mom would just be like completely mentally mm-hmm. not there. Just like enraged. Th- you know, I think my mom has a version of that. That's my personal opinion is that she has a personality disorder and that there's maybe some type of dissociating going on when when she goes on a rant or when she did the things she did to me when I was a, a kid. I, I, I don't know, but ultimately it doesn't matter because I'm not her psychiatrist yeah. and and I need to protect protect myself so that I can try to have a, a good life. Yeah, I'm sure we got some listeners who don't want to talk to their parents. Hmm. So if you're listening, disown your parents right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start ghosting. Legally. <laughs> yeah, get a lawyer. Emancipate yourself. Emancipate yourself from your parents. Yeah. Right? Thank you, Paul. Thanks. That that's what you were getting at. <laughs> that's what you were getting at. I'm glad that that's what we could gather. <laughs> um, we got some... E- Paul, would you like to give participate in our email I um, would love it. segment? Mm. We have one email. Yeah. <laughs> but it actually uh, pertains... You're a good guest for this one. And it is right here. This is from Sophie. Um, let's see. This is about relationships. You can talk about your uh, uh, former marriage. Mm-hmm. From Sophie, she says, Rye, after your 10-year-long relationship, did you take did it take you a while to get over her? I dated a guy for over two years, and he still haunts my thoughts. I'm in my 20s now, and I have a boyfriend, and he's amazing. However, my former boyfriend constantly pops into my head. Is this normal? Uh, I think that's normal for to think of exes. Uh, I had a girlfriend for 10 years. We broke mm-hmm. up four years ago. Um, in my experience, I was ready to separate from her. So I didn't really desire her that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about your marriage? You, I know, I know from the, I know everything about you. <laughs> so <laughs> I know you still have a very positive relationship with your ex. Yes. Uh, we, we, we do. Um, I think we both worked pretty hard to, to make sure that it would be amicable. And, um, I'm, I think we're both proud of the way that that we did split up, even though it was painful for both of us. Yeah. Um, and she's somebody that I do still care about, um, but it's it's not a thing where I'm I'm like you know I want to I want to go. I back. want you back, babe. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I can't. I won't pretend to speak for her because I don't know what what her thoughts are, and she's a private person, so I don't. Yeah. I don't want to. Um, you know, well, discuss, I, discuss too much of, of her side of things. Right. Um, but a year and a half ago, I was heartbroken over a girl. And then during that time on your podcast, you had on, I can't think of his name, but uh, the episode... Guy Winch? Yes. The heart, Science of Heartbreak? Yeah. Uh, he and wrote he, that book. Or, yes. Or, so yeah. a specialist on heartbreak. Yeah. And uh, where he read the story about the dog, yep. the guy's dog died. I, yep. I defy anybody to listen to that and not break down crying. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what's funny? I listened to that and I was so heartbroken over a human mm-hmm. that during the dog story, I was like, enough of this. Get onto the human part. <laughs> I'm hurting. <laughs> so I did not cry during yeah, that. Yeah. Gr- dude, grief is fucking. <laughs> It is. It doesn't matter what we're grieving over. It's. It's like just shoving that aside and saying, you know, we need to move on. It's. Yeah. It's going to be there. It's like sweeping shit under the rug. It's right. You lift the rug up. It's still going to be there. It, yep. And the guy Wench, uh, that guy, uh, when he was talking about heartbreak with humans, 
uh, I specifically took his advice from that. He was like, try to think of all the things you didn't like about them. And mm-hmm. he said, like, even maybe write it down. So I wrote in my phone notes and, like, everything I disliked about my ex. Oh, that's a good idea. It did. Good. It did, really. Good. Then I, I saw her again, and um, she mentioned she was doing coke again. She was like, I'm back on the wagon. And I was like, you had a wagon? Yeah. <laughs> she was like, yeah, I mean, I've just been drinking a lot, doing a lot of coke. And uh, so I, even though I was, like, wasn't happy to hear that, I was right. like, ooh, I'm going to take that, put it in my phone, put it yeah. in my bank of like why I don't want to be with her. So Guy Wench and Paul Gilmartin, thank you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as far as that person's question, I would, I would ask them how often right. is it coming up and what are the feelings that are coming up when you think of him? Is it when you're having sex, do you need to picture his face to come? Because yeah. that's a lot different than when I drive by that gas station, I think about, yeah, yeah. you know, how we used to go there. Right. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, so, Sophie, let us know. Do you think of him when, mm-hmm. when you try mm-hmm. to come? Come. And- <laughs> uh, she got a second question. She says, Brandy and Rye, how do I make the first step into going to therapy? Uh, Paul, you can... Chime in here. Uh, I struggle with anxiety, panic disorder, depression, and poor body image issues. Same. I've gone into therapy before and stopped because I felt like I wasn't listened to. How do you find the right therapist? Uh, there, There is... Everybody's different, and therapists are all different, and it really comes down to the chemistry between you and a therapist, and it's yeah. a lot of it is trial and error. Right. A good place to start, I would say, if there are issues you know that you definitely have, like if you experienced um, uh, abuse as a child, um, if you have any addictions or compulsive behaviors, those would be things to look for you know, in the wheelhouse of a, of a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, Online therapy is great. Um, one of our sponsors that I, that I really like is BetterHelp.com. Yep. Um, but they, if if they don't believe that they have somebody who's qualified for you, like if you have a very specific issue, they won't just assign you somebody. They want to make sure that yeah. So um, you can also do. There are therapy finders on certain okay. uh, psychology websites, um, and another great thing is just talk to anybody you know that sees right. a therapist and ask them if they have any recommendations. And a lot of times, if that therapist is book, booked, um, maybe that therapist will recommend another right. therapist. That's what I did. I asked my comedian friends. It's like, who do you see? Yeah. And uh, yeah, started seeing her. And now I'm a perfect human, just like you. Oh, I'm done. so nice. Yeah. We hit the finish line at the same time. It's pretty <laughs> sweet. Mm. It's like the opposite of the Boston Marathon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. I think that just about does it. How do you feel about this? I hope I brought a lot of people down. Yes. <laughs> I'm mission well, accomplished. I just want to let you know you most certainly did. Yes. <laughs> uh, you have been uh, awful. Yeah. And I hate you. Yeah, I do. do you hate him? Absolutely. Yes. All right. Absolutely. Can we all agree I'm a baby? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. You're a big fat baby and your mom was right. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I'm going to start talking to your mom for you. I'll let you know how it goes. You are welcome to. <laughs> um, so, yeah, everyone listening, listen to Paul's podcast, The Mental Illness Happy Hour. It's available everywhere, pretty much. Do you do YouTube yet? You don't. I don't. I don't. I yeah. just like the simplicity of audio. I know. Mm. Me too. You know? But there's times that I kind of wish I had videotaped some episodes, but we're yeah. going to get your ass on the podcast. Hell yeah. So. I'll go into depth about all my shit. Nice. 
Um, and your Twitter is Mental Pod. Mental Pod and Instagram, same. Instagram. And yeah, everyone listening to this, listen to his goddamn podcast. It's yeah. great. It's helped me. Specifically, I bought a book from it. The heartbreak episode. I text my friends that episode yes. when they when they go through a breakup. Mm-hmm. I think I texted it to you. Probably didn't listen to it. You didn't Just text that. You to don't me. care about me. You didn't text that to me. You didn't do that. What well, are you heartbroken right now? No. Well, get heartbroken. Oh, okay. He's busy <laughs> thinking about a brain tumor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're dying. Can't even hear what you guys are saying. All I'm hearing is buzzing. Maybe there's something something going it on. It is. It is. It's a tumor. Mm. Anyways, Paul, thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast. And also, thank you for your podcast. It's helped me. And I'm sure it's helped a lot of people. Do you get often, do be, I'm sure you get a lot of heavy, heavy messages saying like, you saved my life. I get some really beautiful ones and yeah. I feel very, very grateful. I feel like uh, the, the the universe has definitely thrown me a bone. Nice. You know? Yeah. And you're really good at podcasting too. That helps. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. No problem. Where's the put down? Um, <laughs> you have a lisp. Has anyone mentioned that? It's no. really noticeable. <laughs> How big is it? How big is it? All right. Well, that's it. Oh, wait. We've got to say thank you to our $25 patrons. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Ross Miller, Steve Marshallak, thank you for being a $25 patron. Ross Miller, Steve Marshallak. Ugh. <laughs> Just kidding. Thanks. Steve Marshallak. doing that. Steve Marshallak tweeted us because we said fuck you last time. Uh, what did he say back? I didn't read it. Yeah. <laughs> fuck Steve Marshallak. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Nicholas Caprio. $100 a month. Jesus Christ. God bless. Mm. Bless up, fam. Savage. Hey, savage. Lit. You hear, have you heard these words yet? Mm-mm. Savage? So you're not a savage? Mm-mm. <laughs> All right. We'll talk about that after the podcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, tomorrow, work it into your daily vocab. If someone says something cool, you just be like, oh, dude, savage. Yeah. Okay. And if you do something that's like also cool, but you're at like a place... Yeah. You go, that's lit. Oh, I've heard like, that If you go to a party, yes. that's lit. Yeah. I might yeah. not get to Savage. I'm still working on Nifty. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> I'm really behind. That's, yo, that yes. was Nifty, son. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to get to <laughs> Terrific. That was swell. Yeah. <laughs> terrific. Fantastic. I never say fantastic. Never say it. Fabulous. Never say fabulous. Even when you're going to, never mind. It's about to make a terrible what? joke. No, what? just go. No. Nope. All right. No. Should we just keep When you're going rambling? to Fantastic Sam's. Oh, yeah, that was a bad joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I just let it die, but then I brought it back up from the dead. All right, let's end this goddamn episode. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry, Dad. That just about does it. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, Paul was a great guest, a great guy. Check out his podcast, The Mental Illness Happy Hour. It's available airware. And also, I just want to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, Quip. This episode also brought to you by Quip. Uh, big fan of Quip. I'm, uh, I have a toothbrush right here on my desk. Not really where you should store your toothbrush, but I have it for audio reasons. You hear that? That's the Quip toothbrush vibrating, pulsating, massaging my gums. Well, it's not in my mouth right now, but you get the point. One of the most important things we do every day for our health is brushing our teeth, yet most of us don't do it properly. Quip is a better electric toothbrush created by dentists and designers, and it was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. Quip provides you with sensitive sonic vibrations, gentle enough on your sensitive gums. People brush too hard, and some electric toothbrushes are too abrasive, but Quip is just right. And my dad's a dentist, guys, and he, uh, he supports Quip, so get a Quip. Get Quippy.
This toothbrush has a uh, built-in two-minute timer to ensure that you are brushing for the full two minutes. And every 30 seconds, it uh, turns on and off, which means like you switch sides of your of your mouth you're working on. It really uh, helps me brush my teeth for the, the right amount of time because normally I do not brush for long enough. And I, I'm guessing you don't either. That's the main reason why I love Quip. Uh, it holds me accountable. Brushing for two minutes. And the vibrations too. It's, it's fun. It's like soothing and enjoyable as opposed to just annoying. Because normally brushing your teeth, <laughs> it's annoying. But with Quip, it's <laughs> fun. <laughs> it's fun and that's why I love Quip. And that's why they're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals, including my dad. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash dad right now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash dad. And uh, that's it, guys. Have a great week. Thank you to uh, Quip for sponsoring us. You guys should uh, tweet, Instagram, message Quip. Just let them know uh, you heard about them on I'm Sorry, Dad. And that will help me remain in debt. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good week.